Welcome to the Irish NFL Podcast, bringing you, as always, our unique Irish perspective on all things NFL. I'm Mark, an avid Patriots fan, and I'm joined, as always, by Brian, an ardent Giants fan. Hello, Brian. Good morning, Mark. And Gordon, an amorous Steelers fan. Good morning, Mark. Good to be here. Morning, Gordo. Um, you can follow us all at on Twitter at Irish NFL Pod. And subscribe to uh, us on iTunes or SoundCloud to hear our past episodes and to avoid missing the new ones as they come out. Now, gents, we've got quite a lot of ground to cover today, so I think we should get straight into it. Uh, later on today, we, in today's episode, we will be dealing with all the teams that we think are hopeless. You know, fundamentally, for the next season, don't have a chance. Uh, you know, six and ten might be considered a good season for them. Uh, in the next few weeks, we'll move on to the hopefuls and, of course, to the real Super Bowl contenders. But before we do, there's been a few recent news stories. And before we get to the one that's really dominated the airwaves the last while, Gordo, there's been some um, contract news on the running back front. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think we kind of discussed the uh, the Bell discussion there last week in episode three. And I think the really interesting one today is that Devontae Freeman has signed a five-year contract at $41.25 million. Uh, working at about eight point two five million a year, I think it doesn't help Bell, um, because I think if you look at the contract that Bell was offered, he was offered thirty million over two years, forty two over three. So again, Bell could have set the the market. He hoped Freeman would do him a bit of um, you know, help him out in terms of getting more money, but it doesn't look like that. Freeman has gone for eight point two five. But the interesting stat that um I saw on Twitter today was Ladanian Thomason signed for eight million a year back in two thousand and four. So it's just showing that the running back value, and I think I'm the one that's been preaching this since we started this podcast, is the running back value is coming up every year. And I think this has just proven that we're back to 2004 levels, you know? Okay. Brian, I mean, this is a bit strange given that the uh, salary cap's increased by probably 240% in the same period. But Well, sorry, the salary cap back in, I will admit that, back in 2004 was only 80 million. But I think what we saw was there was a massive dip over the years of what people valued running backs at. So it's interesting to see us getting back to that level. So yeah, it's uh, well. Look, I mean, you say getting back to that level. Obviously, we thought last week maybe sorry Freeman was holding out till Bell got his deal and resetting the running back market. This is a slight evolution. We might and and I think once he realised that Bell wasn't going to sign his his contract, yeah, they kind of got back to the table and and the Falcons were keen to get it all resolved before the season starts and pre-season starts. Yeah, so exactly. No, so, co- no coincidence that the day before their first preseason game, it's all wrapped up. So it's, yeah. it's nice and handy. And he does have Tevin Coleman there in the background that yeah. the Falcons might use to keep him a little bit honest. Well, so. I don't, I don't think it's going to help Bell whatsoever in this discussion no. of being paid as a running back slash wide receiver. So I, again, I've said in the last episode, he will sign the franchise tag before the first game of the season. That is a fact, and I will. I'm saying that every episode until he does it. Uh, but what's he will, the forfeit if he doesn't? What's the four? I I'll let you come up with one for the next episode, excellent, Mark, and, and you can co- you can come back with a four. But yeah, I would yeah, he'll it. have him when it comes to discussing I, the Steelers. Yeah, I cannot see him turning down twelve point one million. So he'll either take the tag or he'll come back to the table and say, "Give me back that offer you made originally." Yeah. But so, again, the Steelers could come back and say, "We're not going like, to." You know, that was the offer we made you a couple of weeks ago. You turned us flat down. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting one. It's another one that'll keep uh, going on until ep- yeah. uh, game game, game week yeah. one. Yeah. So Freeman gets a few quid, but we'll be waiting for David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell maybe to uh, revolutionise the running back market. Now, as I said, you know that's an interesting story, but there's been one that really for the last week has been dominating every NFL story, both the injury itself and then the ultimate replacement. 
Brian, talking about the Miami quarterback situation. Yes, so last week, Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill did his ACL, and uh, initially they thought maybe he might be out for a couple of months, but turns out he's gone for the season. Um, the Dolphins last year turned to Matt Moore towards the back end of the season when Tannehill was injured at that time, and he played the playoff game, and they were convincingly beaten by the Steelers at the time, so I don't believe that I think he's the right man to really to take them on full season. So uh, they've reached out to Jay Cutler, who just uh, announced his retirement in May, and he's just planning a season in this Fox studio. Um, Adam Gay is just a background to this one, really. Adam Gay was his uh, offensive coordinator in Chicago, and that was probably the most productive one or two seasons in which Cutler had in Chicago, and they seem to have a good relationship. So I don't think Cutler would have came out of retirement for the sake Play of for anyone else. No, right? I think the fact that Adam Gay had reached out to him and had a conversation with him, and 10 million a year, plus incentives, so in the region of 50 million, it's, I mean, it's a... It's a good deal for the Dolphins. Um, they've got him in. Um, he has experience. There's a lot of talent on that team. Now, whether that's going to you know, push them forward again and have them back in the playoffs this year, I'm not convinced. I wasn't convinced that they'd make the playoffs, even with Tannehill. And even with Tannehill? No, no. I honestly thought they'd drop off from last season. Well, I mean, uh, I'm a Pats fan. I mean, they were the one in the AFC East I was worried about, to be honest with you, because you know they, they have great talent, as you say. They've... Um, Parker and Landry, Jarvis Landry at uh, wide receiver, Kenny, Kenny Stills at yeah. speed. They've got Landry at wide receiver who's not going to be a happy camper because they can't offer him his contract this year. Um, because of what they're paying out for Cutler, their cap space has now come down so much that they can't offer, offer uh, Landry. So that was the big news as well. People are kind of saying they splashed out on Cutler. They've given him the $10 million, but it now means there needs to be some... Um, financial work engineering engineering exactly done behind the scenes to maybe give him a huge bonus payoff to get Landry's contract so I'd say if that gets pushed the next season like Landry's not going to be happy about that so again they seem to have compromised it looks like Adam Gase is the one that pushed this he wanted yeah. a cutler so but I don't think there's any alternative like unless they go with Matt Moore what other quarterback, was, what, what other quarterback was out there on um, well, I mean, it allegedly Robert Griffin the third is out there still. Well, yeah. allegedly they had talked to. I saw a few reports where they had talked to um, Tim Tebow and Carl Alton because they had experience of Adam Gase. I almost don't want to believe that that wasn't a spoof I somewhere along the way. There's no substance to those stories. Yeah, yeah, so. I know, I know. It's kind of like is, sure. is Adam Gase going to pick up the phone to Peyton Manning again at this stage? But it's a Harvard Gase. You don't know a Cutler. Like if you look at him in Chicago, his body language never. He never comes across as a quarterback that you think will go into the dressing room and rally the troops and. You know, it's, it's but he's got all the tools. I mean, the man can make any throw you like. He has all the prototypical tools. I mean, I've been watching him for years with the Broncos and then subsequently the Bears. You kept waiting for the breakout. You kept waiting for him to suddenly put it all together. He's never had a rating beyond 93% in a season for the quarterback. So I mean, But is that because of silly interceptions and loss of focus? Because he is one of these gunslingers as well, along with Stafford, along with Favre. He tries to make every throw at all times. Yeah, interception... Machine to beat the band. I yeah. just, I just don't think again. You want to bring in a quarterback if you're hoping to make the playoffs, or you're hoping to have a good run of a season. You want a quarterback that's gonna, you know, bring your team up and, I suppose, be the motivational factor behind it. And Cutler just is not that person. Um. So yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one to see how he gets on. Um. I just think now they've thrown everything into the basket on Jay Cutler, offering it ten million a year. Well, it, yeah, but it is only one year, so <clears throat> hopefully it's not going to be. The you know long term solution. Honestly, In, yeah. Interestingly, Tannehill doesn't have any committed money after this season, so they could cut him with less of an impact on uh, cap space. Yeah. So if but his injuries don't recover, because he obviously was injured last season, has this other knee injury now, I'd be very surprised. And I know we're kind of 
surmising because we don't necessarily know what's going to happen this season. But I'd be very surprised if they're making the decision to cut him because they think Cutner's the answer. I think th they're more likely, and again, I know we touched on last week, they're more likely kind of just this being Cork Cousins into play, possibly in the next three. In the next three, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. it does. I mean, as we said, though, they do have great talent. They've got a decent defence, uh, although maybe a bit weak in the secondary still. They've taken Julius Thomas to hopefully shore up the tight end position. If Gase can get from him what he got from him in Denver, that would be an amazing upgrade at tight end. Jay Ajayi was the breakout story running back last season with two 200-yard back-to-back games, and maybe he continues and develops. London Bourne, I think, actually, Jay Ajayi. So there's a European angle, at least, for us to If anything, there's probably going to be more pressure on him now to deliver this season. Yeah, I mean, I find it very amusing because obviously you see the the way the news broke and the way every fans are talking themselves into it. And look, any fan can talk themselves in to following a quarterback. I mean, I talked myself one year into Matt Castle being a decent quarterback. Uh, you know, it, it will happen. But I think this is a really one that we won't know till week one. We won't know. You know, Cutler is still going to look laconic and bored and not really interested in relation to it. But He had a very uh, funny uh, comment at the press conference. He said his wife uh, was... Was keen to move. Keen to, to move. Well, she was keen to have him out of the house because she was getting under. He was getting under her feet. So ten million to move to Miami for, for six or seven months. Yeah. Well, well actually, it's funny you mentioned his wife because I did see one comment on Twitter which is slightly politically incorrect, but was amusing nonetheless. They said that between Tannehill and Cutler, they were definitely winning the uh, quarterback wife competition. <laughs> so I kind of went, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, look, as I say, we will see. Uh, it's a, a stopgap for Miami. They have the talent there. It's trying to save uh, their season because quarterback is still the most important position on the field. It doesn't matter. The interesting game week one versus the the Bucks. Yeah, Very interesting. Who are really up and coming, and we yeah. all fancy to to do something more yeah. significant this year. Jay Cutler, just for um, anybody that wants to know about the the sadness that exists, I suppose, is the 18th starting quarterback for the Dolphins since Dan Marino retired. Uh, they haven't been able to replace a legend, but um, very few teams can sometimes. It looks, looks like uh, Patriots could be in that bit of a rough La, 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 I can't hear you. Um, That's fair enough. Um, what I was going to say is there is only one team to have used more quarterbacks over that period. Oh, yeah. Cleveland Browns. Browns. Golden second team, Cleveland yeah. Browns. Yeah, the list gets longer and longer. Oh, hopefully it'll stop now after the next few years. But It does. Well, look, I think we're all agreed that we don't think Miami are going to suddenly become hopeless, and we certainly don't have them categorised in the hopeless category today. However, one team that we do have categorised is another AFC team, and we'll kick off the hopeless teams with possibly the worst team that's ever been invented by man. And that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, will be your 2017 New York Jets. Um... Guys, I, I honestly, I'm almost stuck for words in to describe how bad the Jets are and are going to be. This is a team, if they win four wins this season, will look like they've climbed Mount Everest and Kilimanjaro in the same bloody day. <laughs> um, I, I, I was um, One of my favourite poems in the world is Rupi R. Kitling's If, and there's a great line in it about if you can meet triumph and, despair, uh, dis, uh, dis, triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Uh, and goes on to say, you'll be a man, my son. The Jets will not see triumph. It is just disaster. Um, why am I so adamant that they're uh, woeful and awful? We'll talk about the quarterback position. You've got a competition there, which they've said is a three-way competition between the wonders of Christian Hackenberg, who twice didn't break from a huddle correctly during preseason. <laughs> Bryce Petty who I think saw about 10 minutes of... Uh, oh, no, he saw a bit more. He saw a couple of games of play last season, which was a couple mm. of games too many. And Josh McCowan, who's, you know, 
He's a career backup. He's a nice guy. He seems to be a decent bloke, but he is not a starting quarterback. He seems to be getting a few stints as starting quarterback these days. He seems to be going from one team to the next each he does. year. He does, yeah. and he seems to be but leading just, him to a, a high it's draft pick. a bad pick. situation when he's getting pulled into the early Yeah, he's quarterback. leading him to a high draft pick. I mean, this is the question. Is it the scam for Sam? For Sam Darnold, the uh, USC quarterback coming out next year. The Jets' talent and approach this season will be to get the number one pick. They did do a good job in the draft. They got some good secondary uh, safety help. Uh, Jamal Adams, fifth-round pick, and their second-round pick was Marcus May. So that's a nice building block for the future. But I actually can't figure out who's going to receive the ball or do anything with it. Um, Quincy and Nua, their talented wide receiver, has gone on IR. They do have the ghost of Matt Forte and Bilal Powell running back, which is something. Well, uh, we went through their wide receiver depth chart, and again, I'm kind of looking at those names, and every now and again, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember him, but there's nobody that's a standout. You look at their wide receiver depth chart and say, I remember him. He used to work down at the spa down the road. That, that's, the, that's the caliber of the wide receivers that they seem to have this year. The talented ones that they did have, they've released. So they're so clearly going in yeah. different directions. Yeah, so, so again, you're kind of looking at, kind of, well, if you've got nobody to throw the ball to, and you've got nobody good enough to throw the ball. It's yeah, you're kind of setting yourself up for a nice zero zero win season. So um, what's I, the expectation there for Todd Bowles? Is he going to be there next year? Because you just don't know. I feel what? I feel a bit sorry for him. Well, like, I think I, I think they 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 broke the bank to try and get him over here. They felt that he is a future, like you know, one of these. Everyone kind of spoke him as a Hall of Fame type future coach. He has that caliber, but I just think he picked the wrong destination. Uh, the problem with the Jets was... He was so he keen to get in to be a head coach, though. He, yeah. he, he was I, desperate to get into it. And, and, they, and, I, and I think he got sold on the fact, because again, obviously he's a secondary-style coach. I think he got sold on the fact that the Jets had a decent secondary when he came over. He, he's a good defensive coach. Yeah. They were in serious salary cap issues because of Tannenbaum. And this is a cut, as you say, Brian, they've cut Marshall. Uh, Brandon Marshall's now with the Giants. They cut David Harris, who was a very talented uh, middle linebacker. He's gone to the uh, Patriots. Eric Decker, as you say, who's been picked up elsewhere. Anyone who had a decent number, but also a bit of talent, seems to have been gone. And uh, certainly one of the bets of the season might be the Jets to go 0-16 and mirror Detroit in 2008 are 20-1 yeah. at your local bookies. It almost seems... Yeah, Paddy Power offering that price. Is it Paddy Power yeah. offering that? And, yeah. and they're 2-1, I believe, to have the worst record of the NFL season. I'm going to take all of Gordon's money and put it on uh, that particular <laughs> bet. Um, but look, they're not the only ones that are in this hopeless category, but I do believe they're the worst. Um, there are other bad teams. Gordon? Are we, are we classifying them as a bad team? We're classifying them definitely as a bad team. Okay. Well, your second team. Well, hopefully I might be able to change your mindset on that a little bit. So yeah, we're talking about the Cleveland Browns here, obviously, um, from Mark's uh, introduction. I suppose what I want to go through first is the draft. I think this is the first year in a long, long time where the Browns have, again, I've stressed this over number, uh, the first few episodes, have just come out with a very, very strong draft pick. So, Miles Garrett, number one, uh, Jabril Peppers, uh, David, I can't even pronounce the second name, and Co., uh, Deshaun Kaiser, and Larry, again, another name, Akubai, who is the um, defensive tackle. So, they've kind of, they've strengthened every area of the field. Uh, I suppose Brock Osweiler was brought in. We all thought it was just a chess piece move and he was going to get rid of. Preseason game one has just happened. Again, I don't judge anything on the first two preseason games. Brock Osweiler played. There's he, no, was, no, he was three and out three drives. Yeah, yeah. But again, I just had but again it's preseason game one. Deshaun Kaiser came in, made a nice throw. But again, preseason game one. So it's between himself, Cody Kessler, and Deshaun Kaiser for um, the first game of the season. Who will be the starting quarterback? I think we said originally that we thought it'd be Brock Osweiler. That everyone is talking about Deshaun Kaiser. But again, I would hope Hugh Jackson wouldn't throw a rookie quarterback into week one. I I think 
who, however bad Osweiler is, you need to go with Osweiler or Kessler before you go with Deshaun Kaiser Especially for week one. against that defense, front six. Yeah, so I suppose what I wanted to look it's at was staters. the yeah. issues for the Browns this year is they have no weapons to really throw to uh, on wide receiver. You've got Corey Coleman and Kenny Britt. Um, like we've discussed the Kenny Britt trade. Yeah, his numbers are decent, but he's not a standout wide receiver. But they do have a good tight end, uh, rookie tight end in uh, David and Coe, um, who they brought in from the draft. Very highly valued and thought of. They lost Terrell Pryor, obviously, to the, in free agency to the Redskins. So yeah, was, which was a strange one for them to lose, considering the cap space they had and the position need that they had. To not pay him whatever he was asking. Now, maybe this, it was whatever way the negotiations went. It didn't make a lot of sense. But I do think they've got a lot of potential. I suppose their backup running back, Duke Johnson, um, he's the only running back in the NFL to have more than 500 yards receiving um, at the moment. So he's a dual threat running back. So I think you'll see him used a lot more. And there's talks that when the depth chart gets released, he'll be um, down as a wide receiver rather than a running back for um, the game week one. I, th- I think you're summing up the 2017 Browns, however, Gordon, by getting excited about your backup running back. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's the bright spots you're looking for. I mean, yeah, but look, I, I suppose the only other kind of potentials that I look at is the offensive line for the Browns. I think everyone that has looked at what they've done through the draft, free agency, they're basically people are calling the best offensive line in the AFC. So, again, if you have an offensive line, all you need is a decent quarterback that can throw, which, again, questionable at the moment. I, I respect that. But if you have a, if they can stay protected, like that, that's one part of the that's game. That's one part play. of it covered. Um, Brian, what's your feeling? Are they going to suddenly spring back a la had Pennington's Dolphins when they went 115 and made the playoffs next year? I do think they'll improve, and I think they'll improve based on the players in which they've drafted. They've, like, they've had a, quite a number of first-round picks, and they picked up players as Gordon's alluded to in various different positions, so... Can it get any worse than that year? I don't think so. I have them in the round 5 and 11. I think that's a fair estimate you know, based on what they brought in. But again, it's the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback one is a key. Like we, as you said, we all thought Brock Osweiler, albeit he had a poor time in Texas, was the obvious one. But having, you know, no one is standing out at the moment in terms of taking that position and grasping the net, shall we say. And, you know, there's even talk if, if it isn't Brock, he'll be released come week one because they can't have him on, on the sideline, you know, with all well, the. They went one and fifteen last season. My prediction is this year is that they'll go seven and nine. Um, but I, you see, we we're still in the category. They're not making the playoffs. I think seven wins is is high. Yeah, I thought five was high, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is early morning. Isn't it, it? It, it's funny. I I, I look <laughs> well, at it the first week of the season if, for a team like the Browns to get back on track. They almost want a great start to the season, and they want to get on and surprise a few people and get a few wins under their belt. And I look who they playing in week one. Oh, it's Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers against whom. Uh, Roethlisberger, sorry, is 20-2 and two against the Browns. It's not the quarterback you want to see but in week one. When I look at their schedule, I see five wins definitely from the Colts, Jets, Vikings, Jags, and Chargers. They're five wins I think the Browns will have. Um, so that's my prediction. Look, is it, I'm holding it. I'm saying seven, seven and nine. Uh, and we'll see how they go at the end of the season. Um, I, that's, that's my prediction for the Browns. Okay, uh, you know <laughs> we're going to write that one down. We're going to be yeah. a forfeit for that one as well. Look, the we, last we can listen back to these. Can't we? We're going to we're going to have to accumulate into one big forfeit. <laughs> I think um, there are five uh, last five years. Actually, the Browns have had different opening day uh, starters, which shows the dysfunction they've had at quarterback. We've had Brandon Whedon, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCown, Robert Griffin, and Brock Osweiler. For me, they are bad until proven otherwise. We are talking about a team that has, for the last 10 years, not had a winning record. And you don't even think they're going to have one next year as well. So no no, no hope of light. Um, Brian, pop quiz. When's the last time they actually won, well, I'd say anything, but won the division? 
1993. Oh, you're being too generous. 1989. It wasn't that far off. You weren't, you weren't bad. Not, but not bad. Nearly 30 years. So you had years of experience. So no. look, yeah, you've years of experience. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm just In optimistic. I'm just optimistic about the Browns. They're just, again, obviously, we've said it from the start. I do have a soft spot for them. I just think what's happening behind the scenes is really, and the fact is that we're talking about the Jets as now the worst team in the NFL and not the Browns is an interesting, it, it, it just shows where the Browns are moving. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. So Owen, our engineer, is a Chargers fan. I think he started laughing when you said they were going to beat the, Bra- the, the Browns were going to beat them. It was uh, more the fact that you brought up Bill, uh, was that Bill Belichick in charge of the Browns back in the No, it wasn't. wasn't. It I was just it was before. A, I thought it was a Bill Belichick reference anyway that we were, you were trying to sneak in no, again. No, uh, no, not at all. No, 11-5, and five, when the last time they won a playoff game was Bill Belichick. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> there you go. He got it in. He got it in. So look, that's the Jets and the Browns. Let's let's start improving in quality. So surely we can take a, a leap up the the ladder in some of far more quality. Brian, what what are your thoughts on the Chicago Bears? <laughs> I'm not so sure we're going to get any better. <laughs> and you're talking about the Jets being the worst team in the NFL. I think the Bears are going to run them hard for that for that number one pick next year. I think at this stage you must be like absolutely detest the Bears. I seem to be slamming them every every week. For some reason I seem to be getting the Bears. A friend of mine is a good uh, Chicago Bears fan. I don't think I'll be his friend for much longer. But uh, for this season, again, I'm not sure where where I'm gonna come with this. I've asked I've been forecast to finish two and fourteen. Look we've discussed the Bears time and time again over the over the first few episodes. Brought in Mike Lennon, paid him paid him quite a substantial salary. Um they've then Given the house away to bring in Mr. Brisky. They played the preseason game last night. I know we keep saying it's not relevant, but his passer rating then and last night was 0.000. 000. <laughs> so, <laughs> where, what do you say about your quarterback? His passer rating was 0.00. 000. 000. Yeah. If I remember correctly, if you throw a pass and it falls incomplete, your passer rating is 39.6. So it's worse than throwing it, an incomplete pass. He threw a pick six on, a, 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 on his first uh, show last night. But look, and then... Chirichi comes in, he has a good game, and they're all raving about him this morning. Again, um, you know, again, it's, it's pre-season, it's hard to gauge uh, how good he is. He looked, he looked good, but um, he's still third choice behind uh, Glennon and Mark Sanchez. So um, surely at some stage they'll move him up to number two and possibly number one at some stage during the season. But even that, even if he does, I mean, whoever does take the place as quarterback, you're looking at their their wideouts and like they let Alshon Jeffrey go to the Eagles. Um, like at that stage, it was. You know, well, he was going to move on. Um, you have Kevin White. He's just third year. He's third year pro, but yet he's only played a number of games in the second year. He was out for the first year. They brought in Marcus Wheaton again, second rate wide receiver from the Steelers. They have uh, Victor Cruz. We don't know what we're going to, what the Bears are going to get out of him. And uh, then they have Cameron Meredith, who had a number of drop season fumbles last year. So I don't think they can rely on him. So we're focusing a lot on offense, and you're right. Yeah. There's, you know, like the Jets, there's a real almost talent deficit. I mean, some young guys might come through and suddenly develop, but you're not seeing it at the moment. What about on defense? Is there anything there that gives them pause for hope or glory in the future? Um, uh, there's a defensive end called um, Floyd who has improved. He was actually out injured last season, but he's, his Sh- first season is it Sharif Floyd, is it? Oh, oh. you're asking the wrong man on this. Oh, okay, one. but uh, they have a couple of good players. They've Akeem Hicks. He's 27. He's a former Saint Patriot. He's um, good he player. looks good. He, on, and then they have a cornerback by the name of Cravon LeBlanc, who looks very good. But again, they have talent, but they just don't have a talent across the board. And that's Cravon LeBlanc was actually a cut by the Pats a couple of preseasons ago, and they were trying to stash him on the practice squad. And the Bears picked him up, and yeah. he's developing nicely. He's, he's so developing nicely, right, so. but it, and they do have. Develop nicely, and but unfortunately, they just don't have enough of them. And then it seems to be a bit of a dysfunction in the in the uh, the back office. I mean, we touched on it the last episode where 
uh, Fox, the head coach, didn't even know what you know the route the general manager yeah, yeah. was going down. So um, I just don't see anything changing for the Bears this year. I haven't finished in two and fourteen. Um, I think the run the run the Jets goes for the number one seed. And unfortunately, that's for. I just yeah. For, for me, I think the only thing that looks at it, it's it's a midlife crisis. Um, that that's what the Chicago Bears looks like. Like you said, they've sold the house, um, and they've tried to they've bought what they think is a flashy car, but I I I don't think they've done the right. I don't think they've made the right decision. I think the way they've run their off season, um, just shows there's turmoil there. They have a head coach that not many people would regard as probably one of the most influential head coaches around. And oh, I'll leave John Fox on that. Nah, he's like gentle uh, giant. Uh, yeah. uh, you'd find it hard to find many people praise John Fox too highly. Um, I just think the GM and that front office have ruined the Bears for the next few years. They have a very there's one positive Jordan Howard is a, the running back. He's he looks really good. Mm. He's a young running back, he's mm-hmm. coming into his second year. Um, and they really haven't had one since Forte left, yeah. Yeah, and Forte yeah. was very good there. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't have never let Forte go. But uh, he looks very good. But again, I mean, it's just a case of we'll see how we go with the Bears. I don't Okay, so no, no real cause for optimism there. Brian's gone finishing 2 and 14. I don't think we're really uh, uh, amored, enamored with them this year. Uh, another team, which actually I am going to take a slight leap up in talent, is the Los Angeles Rams. So Los Angeles Rams, look, still I've got in the category of that 6 and 10 will be a good season. I think they do have a significant problem with Jared Goff. He still seems to be a project, still seems to need a lot of help. They're still talking about simplifying the playbook and uh, obviously didn't have an auspicious start last year. But if you look around the rest of the team, other than probably the wide receiver position, they've got talent. They've got talent on defensive end um, particularly. I mean, it is a a question here uh, with the Rams as to can they, in the best case scenario, kind of turn it like, you know, in basketball they play three and D. You know, can they turn it into a run and D type of game? You know, run the ball with Todd Gurley, slow the game down, give less possessions, and have their defense take over. They have a brand new coach in Sean McVay, who's 31 years of age, the youngest head coach in the NFL. He looks like Ed Sheeran's younger brother. Um, they brought in Wade Phillips to manage the defense. And that's right. He managed and the Broncos to the Super Bowl. And Phillips always makes these dramatic improvements, hopefully, in yeah. his first season, uh, you know, really in implementing defense. And on the defense, they've got talent. I mean, Aaron Donald, for me, still the best defensive tackle in the NFL. Uh, Robert Quinn, Michael Brookers, they brought in Connor Barwin to rush from the edge in free agency. That is a scary front. They've got Tremaine Johnson at cornerback. And even in the linebacker position, they've got Alec, Og- Ogle- Alec Ogletree, got that right, um, but they did lose James Laurinaitis, who was a talented player. So their defense could limit a team below 20 points. What, the question is, how many did they score? What, 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 yeah. what, what was the record last year for the Los Angeles Rams? Do you, do you have it down there? Of course I do. Of course uh, you do. You have it somewhere, I do. do you? Yeah, okay, yeah, well, absolutely. Well, 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 let's go to what do you think their record's going to be this four year? 4-12. I couldn't so remember. 4-12. and 12. So what do you think their record's going to be this I, year? I think they're going to go 6-10. and 10. I think they're going to improve slightly. I think there is room for optimism. But they are... They're still they're still not going to get there. I mean, they're going to play the Seahawks twice a year. Yeah. They're going to play the Cards twice a year. I think I I think the biggest issue with the Rams is again it's a lot of these teams. It's a brand new head coach. They've just come from an era where you know it was turmoil. So again, I think it's very hard to expect much. I think that's why they're in our list of the hopeless. But if you look at some of the games they have, like they have a lot of teams from the playoffs last year. Now I know it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be you know, but you look, they've got the Giants. They've got Giants, Seattle, obviously that's the division. Um, Tennessee who are good last year not necessarily didn't make the playoffs 
Um, they've got Houston who made the playoffs. They've got a really strong. They've got a very tough. They schedule. are going to play the 49ers twice though as well. Who we're going to come on to today, and maybe you haven't yeah. got the same talent levels there. I look. I, I think there's some bright spots. They've uh, Gordon alluded to it last year. They've completely reshuffled the O line and think that might be a significant improvement. They picked up Andrew Whitworth in free agency yeah. from the Bengals, who is a good pickup, a tackle there. I think that would be a really useful one. And they have tried to get some talent in the draft at tight end and wide receiver with Jared Everett and uh, Cooper Cat. I don't, I don't think a successful season for the Rams is going to be based off wins or losses. I think a successful season for the Rams is going to be based off the new systems they implement, how the offense goes, and whether or not they can keep Goff healthy and actually get develop him, tr- him and develop him into a quarterback. I think if they went zero, if they won no games, but Goff was actually playing well, I think that would be a bonus for them. I think they would take that as a positive. I think the biggest thing for them is can they nail down their offense, keep their defense going? But yeah, I don't think they'll be too concerned. Like obviously, you want to win a couple of games, but I think for them, it's trying to get the development of the quarterback in and new systems up and running. So they've they've still got the highest paid gadget man in in all of NFL, which is Tavon Austin, who still hasn't developed properly as a wide receiver, but punt returner and scary play gadget play maybe it works. Um, but like I say, they're gonna they're not gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna still be probably last in that division, uh, but who knows? Um, Brian, we've talked about a few teams already. Now we're getting on to actually the second team in one particular division. Everybody refers to it as the worst division in all of NFL, except for the fact it's led by the best team in all the NFL. How about you take us through another hopeless team, the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, good old Buffalo. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I got the great teams. Yeah, you, you, can, you can tell how enthusiastic Brian oh is about God. this episode. He loved his picks. Yeah, I don't know how I ended up with these teams. Um, <laughs> the, the Buffalo Bills. So uh, Sean McDermott has gone in, he, um, has... The head coach uh, after Rex Ryan, I don't think he can go in and do, you know, any he can't do any worse than Rex <laughs> Ryan. Um, they were so dysfunctional last year. I just straight away, I think he clean up the defense in terms of the mistakes they make because they were just erratic playing under Rex Ryan. So he's a defensive-minded player, but they've got some serious issues on defense. I mean, they're lacking edge rushers. There's no defined edge rushers there. Shaq Lawson's going to second year. Don't know what's going to happen with him. He just didn't seem to t- pick up last year. Um. They're really struggling in the secondary. Um, they've actually drafted players, a number of players in, in the draft to kind of address that. But again, you're throwing in rookies and hoping you know, that you're, you're hoping gold. Rather, than, rather than expecting. Um, on the offensive side, Tyrod Taylor, I mean, at one stage he was gone. Then they brought him back. Um, there was a big talk when you touched on it previously that they were going to go for Deshaun Watson in the draft because he felt he was a similar enough quarterback in, the, in which the offense that they have. Um, and then you've got uh, Sammy Watkins who... Seems to be very injury prone. He's back now, but again, there's a reliance on Tyra Taylor and Sammy Watkins really to carry the offense. They brought in Bolden this week. We touched on the last episode where he wasn't signed. He has signed since, so he'll bring experience to the team. But again, I just don't see, I don't see them making plays. I don't see them, uh, you know, doing he, very being, much. Don't see them being in contention even even within the division. You know, we touched on maybe it's Miami and, and New England, but I just can't see them stepping up. But um, I certainly think they'll be better under McDermott because you know he seems to. PM. He was very good in, in Carolina, so I'd expect them to move on. But in terms of what, I mean, and it won't be challenging. And you talk about, we talked about dysfunction in the front office. The good thing that the Bills have done, I think, is Sean McDermott's come in and his old cohort from Carolina has come in as GM Brandon now. Bean. So you hope yeah. that Brandon Bean's going to, they're going to talk about the, the same topics and be focused on the same no, I think team they've done the right structure. thing in terms of they brought in people who are familiar with each other and that will help, you know, in terms yeah. of, you know, working together. But in terms of the talent there, it's just, it isn't there. 
You touched um, on Sammy Watkins. Obviously, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option for the following year, so that's how they view him, and he was originally going to be their game-changing wide receiver. Look, I, I've, I must admit, I agree. I don't think they're going to make playoffs. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near. They're going to be below 500. Um, they were seven and nine last year, and I have I have forecasts them at five and eleven. Yeah, I'd, so. I'd say seven and nine or six and ten is is reasonable. I mean, the over under for them actually is six point five wins, so, so it's, it's not right far, on the money. So it's not far off from what I've estimated, yeah. and, I, and I've done that prediction going through game for game without even seeing the over under. So just to prove that you're being honest oh, and yeah, so completely I independent. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add in the Bills other than I think last night the first preseason game, first three throws went straight to Watkins. So touches the point that it's all about Taylor and Watkins and if they did so yeah because yeah. Watkins came out and kind of he came out with this demand or not demand claim that you know the, they would he would reset the wide receiver market in terms of contracts and his fifth year doesn't get taken up so I actually think this could benefit the Bills because I think he's in a contract year and he has to play for it he, I think he's going to have a standout year but I think other than that yeah there's not really much else looking at for the for the Bills well, for well, the they brought in a wide receiver in the second round but name is Zay Jones again nothing I don't know much about them, but obviously they felt they can throw a bit of talent around Watkins, and then they brought in Baldwin with the experience. But if if, if Watkins gets double teamed, which you'd expect him yeah. to be, you know. But I mean, Anquan Baldwin is his 18th season or a 19th season. Yeah. I mean, there, there's only so much gas in the tank at some and point. Talbot came in uh, running back, so he might help uh, complement uh, McCoy. Oh, well, certainly be yeah. a lead blocker at fullback yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't forget LeSean McCoy is there, and he is a dangerous piece. So that is one bright spot that the Bills do have to rely upon. Good offensive line generally, so if they get the running game going, maybe there's something. Look, I'd like to see the Bills go seven and nine and develop a few young players because, as a Patriots fan, I need my feeder team to keep developing a few new players. So we just say thank you to the Bills for Chris Hogan, uh, Gillisley, and Stephen Gilmore, and you know continue yeah. the good work, lads. Um, Gordon, let's move slightly down south then. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I'm going to keep this one fairly um, straightforward and simple because there's not a huge amount to say. Um, Jags 2016 3-13 um, draft picks Leonard Fournette uh, running back and Cam Robinson offensive tackle so obviously clear um, indication what they're trying to do there I think the biggest issue uh, Blake Bortles apparently his mechanics is getting worse so I, I think this is pretty much the year done for Blake Bortles after today after this year um, dip in wide receiver numbers so again with Alan Robinson Alan Hearns Came out in 2015. They had a breakout year. They were unbelievable. Suddenly, 2016, roughly, I won't give it the exact stats, but their numbers halved. Each of their numbers halved. Yeah. So I think that just shows. I think the potential for the Jags is their defense. It's absolutely stacked. Um, but again, defense can only get you so far. So again, you've got AJ Bouye, um, Kellyus Campbell, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack. Um, I think the other kind of tactic style for them is that they brought in. Um, the their new defensive coordinator, um, I can't even remember his name now. It's, 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 <laughs> I've lost it. The that's, early that's, morning. That's the early morning. But they're expected to run a Seahawks style cover three with that stack defense that they have. Um, and then other than that, they're just going to go old school, a run first team. And um, don't forget as well, 2016's first round pick who missed all of last season on IR comes back this season. So it's effectively you get two first rounders. You hope. Yeah. So, but but I I think the biggest thing is like they're not going to make a lot of yardage on in their wide receivers, I don't think. I think it's going to be very much a run-heavy offense. Yeah. Um, and whether or not that works, like it depends on does their offensive tackle work, how is Blake Bortles playing throughout the season. I'm not expecting much. 2016, they went 3-13. and 13. I have them down to go 4-12, and 12, but I'm giving them that extra win just for the sake of it. Well, I mean, um, I was going to say, since 2010, they haven't won more than five games yeah. in a season, so that's bad. But, I mean... 
Look, Brian, you only sort of send Valentine's cards to two people. One is to your wife and one is to uh, Tom Coughlin. Um, <laughs> is Tom Coughlin going to fix the Jacksonville Jaguars? Um, not this season, but I think in the long term. Look, there's major changes going on. He's obviously, well, his, his style of management, albeit he's not the head coach, but Doug Marone is very similar in his way of doing things. Straight away, some very interesting things I read up on what he's done. So none of the coaches are allowed to wear sunglasses during sessions because he wants, to, he wants the coaches to look the player straight in the eye. The, uh, the games room is gone from, from the facilities. No more playing games during your break. He's taking them out. Um, the media are locked out of facilities. They used to, be have, used to have media rooms in the facilities. They're gone. And they have I like to that one. And uh, <clears throat> they're only allowed to watch the, the training sessions with the sun in their eyes. So if the sun is in one particular uh, They spin area, the training field to face they mo- that. They move them around. So they don't get enough information and they can't see it properly. They don't know exactly entirely what's going on session to session. So he's already putting his stamp on things. And AJ Boy came out this week saying it's the toughest preseason he's ever had. Well, I think on that they played. They were with the Patriots doing a preseason scrimmage. Yeah. And beforehand, it was noted that they did up downs and um, getting ready for it. And then when the preseason scrimmage was finished with the Patriots, they were doing sprints across the p- uh, field in their full gear. So, uh, yeah, it seems to have gone a very old-school tactic with the Jags, yeah. which is what they need. I think, they, like, you know, everyone said they've tried to bring in a few flashy players over the years, but I don't know. The Jags kind of seems like where what the Raiders used to be. You, you went there for a bit of money and not expecting to do much. So yeah. I think that's what Coughlin's going to try and, and change. And there's been a lot of talk that really he's running the team, albeit Doug Marone the head coach, but by all accounts, they're getting on very well, and Doug Marone agrees with all these things, and it's it's very much decision by committee. It's not just Tom Coughlin influencing everything. You'll, you'll so. listen to a few of those, and I wonder, you listen to that and wonder, why why exactly do Bill Belichick and Tom Coughlin get on so well? <laughs> they think of things very similarly when it comes to football. Yeah, Look, and Tom Coughlin beat Belichick twice in Super Bowls. Really? I, that, did, yeah. I, missed, I must have missed that one. Yeah. I, I, just I thought I mentioned that since you were raving about Bill Belichick in his Cleveland days earlier. I think it's also very interesting, um, looking back to last year, they're over under with seven and a half. I mean, we've been talking about it all day. If they're only gone down to six and a half this year, that could be the Coughlin effect that he's going to have, that they, the bookies still kind of favour him to get over seven wins, which is very interesting. Yeah. Ironically as well, I was telling you earlier, uh, the over under for the discrepancy last year, 13 teams are over, 19 were under. Be interesting to see how it goes this year. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Gordon has them at 4 and 12. I had them at 5 and, five and 11. So, look, we're not yeah. really going too far off the mark there. Um, we'll see. It's interesting you said their defense has greatly improved. So, we'll yeah, see how it goes. It's a stacked stack defense, but yeah. um, ca- can they do enough? That's, that's yeah. the issue. Tom Coughlin, as you say, brings his two Super Bowl rings down to Jacksonville to hopefully improve them while Bill Belichick sits with his five or seven, actually, if we include two of the Giants. Anyway, anyway move moving on, from please, one of quickly. the oldest team yeah. architects to one of the youngest, the newest. In the San Francisco 49ers, the team went 1-15 last season with the ever-increasing drama of Colin Kaepernick and overall just a bad team. This year, they've really cleaned house. Most importantly, they've done a new head coach, Carl Shanahan, coming over from the Falcons. Great, great offensive coordinator and a really important piece. New GM, as I've said, John Lynch, coming out of the broadcast booth, a la Jay Cutler, and taking up a GM role. Um, but the third one I can't agree with as much, which is they've also imp- replaced the, no- the last most important position, which is the new quarterback. And there's a slight problem here, lads. Uh, the Chicago Bears last season went 1-15, and so what did the 49ers do? They said, I tell you what, that sounds great. We'll take both of the Chicago Bears quarterbacks in Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley. Yeah. Um, the, when I hear Hoyer and Barkley in the same sentence, I feel like 
It's like suspension or cantilever arch. It's a new name for bridge. That's all they are. They're a bridge quarterback for a year. This team is not going anywhere. It's sad because they actually, unlike some of the teams, they have a lot more talent on offense. Um, you know, they've at wide receiver Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, Jeremy Curley. These are all players that can beat cornerbacks and safeties and have proven it time and time again. If there's a good quarterback there. If there's a good quarterback that can get them the ball. Uh, Carlos Hyde, if he can stay injury-free, which is a big if, granted, is a talented running back. Um, Vance McDonald is something to do, uh, uh, something decent at tight end. And they've they've expended a bit of money on people like Carl Yushak, who's come in as a fullback. Now, I think this is interesting because I think Shanahan sees him as a chess piece. Yushak can play fullback, he can play running back, he can do a bit of tight end, he can go out to slot receiver type of thing. So maybe he sees him a little bit like, and I say a little bit, but like Freeman and Coleman, changing up formations and getting mismatches in the passing game. Just without the talent. Just without the talent, particularly the talent at quarterback. So the 2018 49ers, if they pick up a decent quarterback, might be one thing. The 2017 49ers are going to be bad. They are not going to make the playoffs. And the only uh, good thing for them is at least they've got another team in their division that's equally as bad in the Rams. I I think the biggest thing to point out here is Kyle Shannon, John Lynch, five-year contracts. That I think that long term plan there. There is, uh, and I think we said this in one of our first episodes. Expect nothing from them, but I guarantee you, in five years' time, if Kyle Shannon and John Lynch get to put their philosophy in place and actually manage a team how they want, you could see the Forty Nineers of old back. Um, if Kyle Shannon gets a quarterback, if we've all discussed that, potentially Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins could happen. You never know. But if he gets a quarterback that he likes and that he can mold, look what he did for the Falcons last year. So I think, yeah. Expect nothing this year, but it's a five-year plan is what they have in place. And I hope the 49ers, I hope York sticks with it. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah. So look, I mean, they've, they've got to keep developing bit by bit. They picked up Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster, particularly we both, uh, we're all fans of in the draft on the defensive side, but they have also lost Malcolm Smith for the season now in injury and training camp. And you have a prediction for them, Mark? Do I have a prediction for the 49ers? Yeah, they're not going to win very much. Um, <laughs> that's my prediction. I've got them, to be honest, they're going to improve from 1-15. I'd say five wins, which uh, you know is is there or thereabouts, I think, against the over-under. Some bookies have them at four, some have them at four and a half. Um, but they're not going to dramatically increase because they just don't have the person to get the ball. Now, the problem with a hopeless category is that there are some teams that maybe are a little bit more on the cusp, but you've got to go with your gut in terms of who you think just fundamentally won't make it. So the last two teams we've got to address today are teams that might surprise a few people, but there is fundamental flaws and issues which undermine them ultimately. Brian, you've got one who is probably, along with the New York Jets, my second favourite team in the entire world. I think we've gone with your gut on this, Mark. Really? I'm no, surprised. Yeah, Brian, Indian- Brian does not agree with this. I don't agree just- with this one whatsoever. Um, the Indianapolis Colts have been printed for a hopeless section. Um, you look at the over-under, they're nine. Um, based on what the bookies are are predicting, I've gone with them to win nine games, funny enough. Um, they were 8-8 eight eight last year. Um, they nearly won the division on the last day. I think it just went, went Houston's way because of the the variation of different results. Um, they've made some changes in the offseason. Actually, the main change really is that they've changed their, they've, again, back to general managers. Mm-hmm. They've removed uh, Ryan Grigson, who really got all the kind of accolades for bringing in Andrew Luck, but the, I mean, any it uh, was general manager... It was be. literally luck yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and then uh, they brought in Chris Ballard, and he's act slowly working to rebuild the defence. Um, 
they brought in. There's no kind of standout, say, you know, top five kind of free agent players they brought in. They've just kind of done it under the radar. They brought in a few. Uh, one in particular from the Patriots, I can't recall his name. Um, he was on the defensive line for the, play for the Super Bowl. Snared, is it? Snared. Oh, Jamal Sheard. Yeah, Sheard. So he, he's a good talent. They brought in Jonathan Hankins from the Giants. Um, they've traded away Dwayne Allen on the offensive side to the Patriots. So he's trying to put a stamp on it. They brought in, a, a they've kind of predominantly gone with uh, a number of um, defensive players within the draft. So look, their clear intention is they believe they have enough talent on offense, but they're just not getting it done on defense. So they've gone that route. But again, the real question mark, and I think the season really dictates is what's Andrew Luck going to be like? Exactly. So Andrew Luck hasn't even participated in any of the off-season stuff yeah. yet. His shoulder is a concern. There one minute he was questioning for week one, definitely a week one. Now they're saying he's going to win week one. Um, I've read a number of different people saying if Luck plays, they'll win 11 games. I'm kind of a bit hesitant on that to say that's the case because that's you just don't know. Well, well, that's if he's protected for 11 yeah. games. Isn't that? That, that's the biggest issue with Luck in the last few years is that they brought in a quarterback who I think everyone will agree is a top-class franchise-style quarterback. But unfortunately, the, the Colts have done nothing to actually bring in talent to protect him. He gets beaten up year on year. And they wonder why now they can't even play him in the preseason games and there's these concerns over him. Um, so I feel sorry for him because he is a quality quarterback, but he just he has had no local protection. Yeah, and when they've tried to draft high to protect him, um, like uh, I remember when the Patriots drafted Solder as left tackle, the, the Colts were straight after them to draft the left tackle to protect uh, Luck. And Solder has proven to be a mainstay and, and their left tackles not performed the way you want him. In relation to it, look, you're right. I mean, I am very... Uh, you're very down on them. Very down on them. Um, you know, running back, they haven't done anything to improve again. We're dealing with Frank Gore's corpse at this stage. <laughs> I mean, um, the man the man is slowed down. He slowed down last year and yeah. was worse, and they think a year later he will suddenly improve. I think this I is think an interesting to watch. I think Chuck Pagano could be the first coach to go. This Absolutely. If, it doesn't start, if they don't start well, I think he's... Of all the coaches out there that... Their head is on the block. He's definitely. The well, one. I mean, you look at it. It was. It was clearly. It was clearly Grigson or uh, Pagano, and the argument was: Would you not clean house and get rid of both of them? Yeah. Pagano has done nothing since the season where Bruce Arians was basically running the team for them and everything. Okay, he brought them to a few more participation trophies uh, and everything, and of course, he, he he's able to. His GM was able to squeal about stupid bloody scandal. The owner like spends that. too much time on social media as well. But I mean, so but this is dysfunction across the board. I mean, Jim Irsay is, you know, he can't be on social media because he'd probably be drunk again on social media when he's using <laughs> yeah. it again. At least he's not driving this time. So where are we with the Colts? Um, again, I don't think they should have been in the hopeless. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But um, we're going to get into the season prediction. And it's probably because of a number of different things that have gone on with other teams. I actually think they will make the playoffs. Okay. I think they're going to be the wild card in the sixth seed, and I'm predicting them at nine and seven. But I'm not going to get. We won't go too, too much into that because we have our season prediction. I, 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 I would give you two things. If Andrew Luck is healthy, they do have the best quarterback in that division easily. I mean, mm. he is a talented guy. They have T.J. Hill, uh, T.Y. Hilton, who is probably the best wide receiver in that division. Yeah. Although Hopkins and others would make claims, I just think the rest of the parts, and this is the problem with the Colts for many years, they've never invested in the mid-level. The rest that makes yeah. up the team. I've so got it's, them. it's more so the division. You, you, as you said, we touched on the Jags. We're estimating around five wins. Um, we're expecting Tennessee to really push on this year. We don't know what's going to happen with the Texans because of the quarterback situation. So, again, on, on that basis, I have them finishing 9-7 and seven and possibly... Goldo, where do you have them? Yeah, I, I, I think they'll be in around... I think the mark is nine. I think if they get seven wins, if luck... If Luck stays healthy, they'll get more, but I think it'll be around seven. Okay, I say Luck doesn't stay healthy, gets hit again. They get about three wins in the whole season. Oh, and Karma's a bitch. Oh. Um, 
Anyway, we'll tidy it off. Last team we're going to look at today, Gordo. We're going to go back west coast, uh, near the 49ers, near, very near now, Los Angeles Rams. We're going to talk about the battle for LA during training camp with the Los Angeles Chargers. And our engineer here, Owen, is a massive Los Angeles Chargers fan, so he's looking forward to this bit. Produ- no, gonna, producer, I'd say, not engineer. Yeah, pro- <laughs> pro- pro- producer, engineer. Jeez, come on, Mark. Jesus. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring Owen in on this one because, again, I think he is the uh, the avid fan of the Chargers. So I suppose first thing I want to go through is last year, 5-11. and 11. Um, Not the greatest year for them. Draft picks, though. Mike Williams, if he is healthy and stays healthy, that's the biggest thing, wide receiver. But the really interesting point is their next two draft picks were Forrest Lamp, not Gump, um, Forrest Lamp, and uh, Tan Feeney. So again, there's a clear indication of they're trying to uh, improve the running back there and help out Melvin Gordon. So I think the biggest issues for me, um, the first one for me is the move to Los Angeles. Though. I don't know about I you, but you, yeah, I, I think that will be, will the fan base follow them? Um, how will they they've do? Had issues with that even in San Diego. Like I mean, any East Coast team that's been coming in, I mean, they've been dominating tickets wise. If you look, yeah, they play the Cowboys. It's a sea of stars. They play the Packers. It's a sea of green. And they had to go to a, a kind of a silent count on yeah. their own offense yeah. again when they're playing the Cowboys and the Pats. Seahawks as well. Like they're matched up with them yeah. again. I mean, it's now now people are saying a stop up center is smaller. Hopefully that'll give them a better atmosphere than they were getting before. To be seen. I think the next big thing is rookie head coach, and uh, we've discussed this in quite a few teams this year. His first year there, like, can he make a massive difference in year one? Uh, I think. Well, Brian, did you want to come in on this? Did you no, no, no. I, th- I think uh, it's it's going to be a positive. I mean, we've talked with the Bills already this year. Serious dysfunction in that organization for years. So anyone coming over here, you hear he's a Bills assistant. You're thinking, oh Jesus, what we're we in for here? Yeah. But there is a positive. There is a bit of silver lining. Looking at it, he was a running backs coach as well as the Bills assistant head coach, and they led the league in rushing in 2015 and 16. So obviously they have Melvin Gordon there. That's a it could be a superstar in the running, and it could take a lot of the weight. The, the thing I really find positive is Philip Rivers. He's aging. Um, every every year he has a great start, a great middle, and a terrible end. Yeah. So hopefully, well, hopefully, if his impact comes in with the running backs, he might change up the offense a bit. Um, they might take a bit of load off Philip Rivers, bring in Melvin Gordon, and hopefully, um, get get further up in the rushing. Well, I think I, I, I think on the biggest issues, my final one in this, and I think this is massive for the Chargers, is the history with the injuries. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Sorry, yeah. So Brian's just coming. Yeah, in, no, so I was just going to touch. Literally, you've just said it and said like Mike Williams, wide receiver. Yeah, uh, look, he may, he will be ready for the season, but he's out for yeah for training camp. He's not going to play preseason games, which doesn't help get you know a bit of rhythm on the offense. He's not there for all the practice. He started. He's, I will put. He did start running yesterday. I read yeah. on that. That, that, and that. then Lamp, offensive line to help protect Rivers. He's gone for the season. Yeah. So they've literally taken first round, second round, and yeah. they're, they're starting to turn around back, but. As you said, if Williams comes back, if, if, if they can get the year without as many injuries as the poor Chargers have had over the last, last few, it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah. So I think they're the three biggest issues that I can see in terms of potential. Kind of own kind of touched on it. Rivers, he better wide receiving core this year if they all stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> is this the Jeez. big thing that we'll be harping on back to the whole time is the injuries. If they stay healthy, they have a great wide receiving core for Philip Rivers, who threw too many interceptions last year. Um, I think people have all kind of said that wasn't his fault. The wide receiving core he was throwing to make quite a lot of mistakes. And then he's got probably one of the best up-and-coming running backs. Like where we touch on the Colts, the Colts are fortunate they're in a very poor division. You know, you look yeah. at teams, okay, maybe t- the Titans will push on for, for the Chargers. They're the in one of the toughest divisions because you've got the Chiefs who won the division, albeit and Raiders, yeah. we are expected to win the division and possibly get four seed last year. great point, that. So you've got Raiders, Chiefs. We don't know what we're going to get out of the Broncos. 
and yet and then you got the charges so it's mm. just it's such that's, a tough but you know what you're going to get from the Broncos is it going to be a demon defense regardless so <laughs> I mean they're going to be a tough out regardless and you've got to go to mile yeah. high it is I, I would agree entirely it is yeah. the toughest division so, uh, the, the San Diego Chargers had a good record against the Broncos though ironically Philip Rivers always pulled one out of his arse in terms of he always yeah. goes one and one with them or the Chiefs. Yeah, but I was just, just on your point there, I thought it's very interesting. We're looking at the over-unders all, all day today. Seven and a half for the Chargers. Um, last year, they were seven and they went five and 11, obviously, so they are in the under and that. But the first six games are very tough. You're at the Broncos in week one, home to the Dolphins, home to the Chiefs, home to the Eagles, at the Giants in New York. That's a long travel day. And then at the Oakland Raiders. So that's... It's, it's funny you said you have a good record going into Mile High. If, any, yeah. if you ever want to go to Mile High, it's week one. Because you just yeah. don't know what you're going to get in week yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. And it's a Monday night game. Well, so. look, I think, I think for us in the Chargers, I think the biggest thing, we've gone through what their potential is. Joey Boza, we won't touch on him. We've spoken about him before. Brilliant. And I think, yeah, and I think the tactics for this year, they brought in a head coach as a former running back head coach. They're going to run the ball this year quite heavily. So I think 5-11 and 11 last year, I've put them at six and ten. What do you have, Malone? I, I agree. Yeah, I got six and ten. Yeah, below. Six and ten. They're not going to get. They're not going to go on the over. I don't. Think. And the money, six and ten I, as well. I actually have them at eight and eight. Really? Yeah. I think they're going to hit okay. five hundred, but they're still not going to make playoffs because of the bleep, toughest they're division. They're beat the bloody Browns anyway. Tell you that much. <laughs> Re- revenge for last year. So, oh. so just to round up, I mean, it, it is interesting as well. The AFC West is the only division that has two new head coaches yeah. because you've got Vance Joseph at the Broncos, and of course you've Anthony Lynn. At the San Diego mm. Chargers. Just one last thing. That is massive, though, and in terms of, like, they had Mike McCoy from 2013 to 16. Never really in a top 10 in offense or defense. They had one year, ironically, in the defense where they were ninth in 2014. And after that, they were outside the top 10 in offense. But for an offensive coach, that's pretty poor. Also, last year, they had four games where they were leading in the fourth quarter, and they managed to go on and lose those four games. I think Anthony Lane is going to... That's going to be a massive thing, is the whole finish thing. You always hear it in the NFL. Yeah. I think it's going to be a massive thing for this team. They were the forward. anti-Lions. Oh, the Lions yeah, came were, back in the fourth quarter of the Chargers. Every time, every time you think of the San Diego Chargers, just remind me of watching quarter past 12, fourth quarter, and Rivers are scrambling around to try win a yeah. game because yeah. they've thrown the game away. No, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Owen very upset because the one thing that I remember about the San Diego Chargers, other than, and it must be said, the greatness of LaDainian Tomlinson, is was it fourth and twenty seven? Fourth and twenty seven, oh, yeah. yeah. Fourth and twenty seven against Rice. the Baltimore Ravens and Ray Rice converting, having outrun nine different charges from a play they should have stopped. If, and if they stopped the them, the Ravens that year don't go to playoffs. And they don't beat the and Patriots. They don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, do. I wish that the move and Gordon yeah. How much do you want to hurt me today? Thanks Gordon sorry. touched <laughs> on the Gordon touched on the move to LA as well. It's interesting that the Rams obviously moved last year, they're four and twelve. The year before in St. Louis they're seven and nine, so Maybe that's a determinant factor in. We, also, when we help. touched on it last week, yeah. I said I think they're going to lose a couple of games purely based on the yeah. the the, discon- uh, the discombobulation. Well, Philip Rivers talked about it a lot, didn't he, in, in preseason? How much he really didn't want to go. He really wanted to stay in San Diego and finish that project. Yeah. But Philip the stadium Rivers. was brutal, I think, as well in terms of. I've been to Qualcomm and it was it was one of the worst stadiums yeah, in the I've league. Been in, I've been in there myself, actually. Yeah. Very run down. Very run down. Yeah. 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 So they did need to move somewhere, but we'll see if LA LA's not a great sports fan base in, no. in terms of the Lakers Clippers just, just the too Kings much and Hockey Dodgers yeah. Angels I mean there's always two teams in every sport so they, so. Yeah. I and think they the, like winners yeah. not other yeah. teams but yeah. look they might get a, a bit of Dodgers this year for them. I think the biggest thing is 
poor old Owen and the Chargers oh, is going to have another struggle. But look, I think that's have to sit here to you as listening, talking about it all week well, as well. We'll enjoy Every it. Week. We'll enjoy it, lads. Yeah. So it'll be good. I know uh, it's good. Um, the good thing is as well with, with the smaller stadium, as soon as Philip Rivers brings the family in and his eight kids, he kind of <laughs> fills it up enough. So look, that's the Los Angeles. He's got to get used to that one. The Los Angeles Chargers. And during the week, of course, they were involved in the battle for LA with the uh, joint practices with the Rams and three or four fights at it. Um, obviously uh, it's interesting we're talking about really hopeless teams every season other than 2014 we've had a team that's gone from worst to first in their division it was the Cowboys last year I think it's safe to say however we do not think one of these teams will do that this year but maybe one or two that we will do next week uh, we'll touch on it um, we don't really have time now to go through our recommended readings. So we'll tweet that out yeah. on the Twitter in due course but we will finish with another feature which is our bet of the week so we talked about a few and Gordon, Brian, do you want to take us through maybe one of your bets of the week based on the overs-unders? Perhaps? Yeah, I think, I think since we're doing this for the next few episodes, we're going to do the over-unders for uh, one, our team that we've decided on. So I suppose this week we looked at the Jets, Browns, 49ers, Rams, Chargers, Bears, Bills, Jags and Colts. My pick for the over-unders are the Browns. They are with Paddy Power at 4.5. And I think that is a, a solid over-bet for me. So that's my bet of the week, which is okay. uh, Brian. the Browns. Are you taking the Jets? Can I throw the Jets in? No, I'm taking the Jets. Okay. Um, okay, but then what I'll do is I'll go... I'm going to do a double. Um, I'm going to go the Bears under five and a half, and I'm going to go the Jags under six and a half. So if you double Ooh. that up, um, they're roughly around 10 to 11, the even money. So if you double them up, you should be getting around three to one. Um, I'm going to go with that for the season. So, Owen, your, your love of the Chargers, seven and a half? I will never bet against my San Diego Chargers first of all. I won't put that out there. But the Bears, I think the Bears are... are, are the one that stand out to me, like I mean, three and thirteen last year. I don't see how they managed to bump them up another three games to get to five and a half. Um, I think at most they go three and ten this year. So good. mine would be the Bears. Good, good. All the all the money I make from this podcast is going straight on <laughs> <laughs> all four euro of it. Good, good to hear your passion for the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, there. San Diego. Uh, anyway, I will take the Jets. The Jets over under is at four and a half. As I said earlier on, they are twenty to one to go over in sixteen, and I think up four and a half is four more wins than they're likely to get. <laughs> so I will take, as I said, all of Gordon's money and put it on the Jets to be hopeless this season. Right, ladies and gents, on that note, we're going to call our final play of the week. That has been our rundown of the hopeless teams in the NFL from our perspective for 2017. Uh, next week, we'll be touching on the hopefuls, those that we think will make the playoffs or challenge the playoffs, but perhaps the Super Bowl will be a bit of a bridge too far. We'll also bring you any new further news from preseason games and otherwise as arising in the NFL family and get closer and closer to the 2017 season start. This has been the Irish NFL podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Irish NFL Pod. And as said, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to hear our past episodes. We'll talk more football next week. But for now, it's bye from Gordon. Goodbye. Bye from Brian. Thank you. Bye from an engineer, Owen. Uh, goodbye. And bye from Mark. Goodbye. <laughs>